Good evening. Memphis police released video showing five police officers beating Tyree Nichols. The United States once again on edge over a police killing of an unarmed black person. Seven people killed at a synagogue outside Jerusalem days after 10 Palestinians were killed by Israeli commandos in Janine. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Drienzo with the news for Friday, January 27, 2023. The city of Memphis has publicly released video showing five Memphis police officers beating 29-year-old Tyree Nichols. He died three days later. The following clip is disturbing including sounds of Tyree calling for his mother. The beating prompted second-degree murder charges against the five officers. The video shows Tyree pulled over by members of the Memphis Police Scorpion Unit, or Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. There's no reason given for the pullover. Police grabbed Tyree and pulled him from his car, and then pepper sprayed, tased him, and held him by his arms as officers took turns beating him, handing him from one officer to the next for more of a beating. Tyree's mother, Rovon Wells, said he was just two minutes away from home when the cops pulled him over on January 7th. For a mother to know that their child was calling them in their need and I wasn't there for him, do you, do you know how I feel right now? Because I wasn't there for my son. I told, I had an, uh, I was telling someone that I had this really bad pain in my stomach earlier, not knowing what had happened. But once I found out what happened, that was my son's pain that I was feeling. And I didn't even know. But for me to find out that my son was calling my name and I was only feet away and did not even hear him, Civil rights lawyer Ben Crump said in a news conference before the video was released, the fact the five police officers were black may have moved authorities to charge the officers much sooner than similar cases where the officers were white. When it's white officers, we think it's also important to the community that there is swift action and that we move swiftly to justice. I mean, because let's be honest, let's think about it. This is not the first time that we saw police officers committing crime and engaging in excessive, brutal force against black people in America who were unarmed. 
But yet, we have never seen swift justice like this. Think about Laquan McDonald in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Attorney Ramanucci, what was that, over a year? 14 months, even though they had that video on day one. Think about the video of Eric Gardner in Staten Island, New York. How long it took uh, Kareem on that one. Think about all these cases. Alton Sterling, Silky in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, on video. Think about Pamela Turner, Houston, Texas, killed on video. It took year for them to bring charges in her case, even though they had the video day one. Think about Ronald Green in Louisiana. I mean, had that video for day one, took over a year to bring charges against them. I mean, so many, man, my God. Think about 14-year-old Tamir Rice on video. And why justice didn't move swiftly for any of these black people when they were killed by white police officers. So we have to make the point exceedingly clear. We now have the blueprint, America, and we won't accept less going forward in the future. Civil rights lawyer Ben Crump. President Joe Biden told reporters he called Tyree's family and remarked that the victim was innocent. I spoke with Tyree's mother, and uh, she said she already is thinking about what, what he would want her to do, which is, which is very positive. So. What is the tonight, sir, with the nation watching this videotape and what could happen? What is at stake? What's at stake is, uh, first of all, innocent people's lives, number one. Number two, uh, it has a lot to say and do with the image of America. It has a lot to do with whether or not we are the country we say we are, that we're a country of law and order and means by which we can peacefully protest and let the courts make their judgment. Thank you very much. Earlier in the day, Biden spoke with mayors from around the country. Mayor Eric Adams called for calm, but told police to go easy on demonstrators. I have just been briefed by the White House, along with many other mayors across the country. Immediately before that, I communicated with over 125 elected officials here in the city. We discussed the video that will be released today, a video that by all reports will be graphic and disturbing. It will trigger pain and sadness in many of us. It will make us angry. My message to New Yorkers is to respect the wishes of Mr. Nichols' mother. If you need to express your anger and outrage, do so peacefully. My message to the NYPD has been, and will continue to be, to exercise restraint. We, as a city and nation, must have an open dialogue about what happened to Mr. Nichols. And it means taking actions as Americans united against violence and abuse of power. I've dedicated over 40 years of my life to the pursuit of both safety and justice. And as your mayor, let me promise you this. I will continue to work with leaders across the nation to make that vision 
a reality. Meanwhile, protests are ongoing in Memphis, Washington, D.C., and here in New York at Times Square. Carl Dix, a longtime activist against police violence and a spokesperson for the Revolutionary Communist Party, said he'd be at the rally in New York, but more was needed to confront the epidemic of police killings of black people. Look, I may be out in the street in Harlem. I'm actually up at Revolution Books right now. We're having a volunteer meeting tonight, and we're going to talk about this police murder of Tyree Nichols. Talk about it not as an unusual occurrence, but something that happens all the damn time and usually doesn't get this kind of prominence and almost never gets the killer cops being punished. A little over two years ago, millions of people were in the street calling for an end to murder by police and an end to white supremacy. Talk about reforms were passed out. There's been decades of talk about if we get black politicians, black police chiefs, more black police, that will deal with this problem of police brutality and murder against black people, against Latino people, and mm-hmm. others who are disproportionately targeted. And here we are today talking about this again. And not only in Memphis, because the first week of the year, three unarmed black or Latino men were killed by police who had been called to help them deal with mental crises. And in one case, the woman who called said, don't kill my loved one. We just need you to help him. And they came and killed him anyway. This is what we're dealing with. And frankly, my theme to the people at this meeting tonight is going to be how long will we continue to bury black and brown men in particular who have been killed by the police until Mm. we make revolution and get rid of the system that causes this because that's what it comes down to. This is built into this system. Are you surprised that it was five black officers who were being uh, charged in this? I was not surprised. I've been dealing with police murdering people and getting away with it for a long time. And I remember Sean Bell, the cops who murdered him at the bachelor party the morning before his wedding were also black cops. And the point that comes down to is that the police have a role, and that is to instill terror and to hold down people that this system has no future for. And that's overwhelmingly black people, Latinos, indigenous people. So that's who usually bears the brunt. Usually the police are white, but sometimes they're black and sometimes they're mixed. The point is this institution exists to enforce the conditions of this capitalist imperialist system. We got to stop it. I've been saying that for decades and stopping it is going to take a real revolution. And in fact, on February 4th, we're going to have a program and a conversation around abolition of prisons, defunding the police. Is that a dangerous illusion? 
especially now when revolution becomes more possible, because the real way to deal with those institutions is not to talk about trying to get the system to defund their institutions of punishment and brutality or abolish their prisons, but get rid of the system that has them out there doing the job that they do, which is what they're supposed to do to keep the system in effect. Carl Dix, a longtime activist against police violence and a spokesperson for the Revolutionary Communist Party. In related news, FBI Director Chris Wray said he didn't have words to describe Tyree's murder, but the Bureau would investigate. I'm struggling to find a stronger word, but I will just tell you I was appalled. Um, the FBI, working with the Justice Department, uh, takes great pride in our color of law investigations, and we will pursue as has already been announced, an investigation here, and we'll do it professionally without fear or favor by the book, uh, as I think is expected of us. Uh, as far as preparation, all of our field offices have been alerted to work closely with their state and local partners, including in particular, of course, in Memphis, in the event uh, of something getting out of hand. But I would just add my voice to the Attorney General's uh, and to the families uh, to whom my heart goes out uh, that there's a right way and a wrong way in this country to express uh, being upset or angry about something, and we need to make sure that if there is that sentiment expressed here, it's done in the right way. FBI Director Chris Ray. Tyree Nichols' family members said he had a medical condition and seems to have suffered a heart attack and kidney failure. Ben Crump said an independent autopsy found Nichols had suffered from extensive bleeding caused by a severe beating. The family says police beat him to the point of being unrecognizable. And you're listening to the news from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. In international news, seven people were killed and 10 were injured in a synagogue shooting attack on the outskirts of Jerusalem today. Israeli police called it a terror attack, saying it took place at a community near Jerusalem on land Palestinians say was annexed illegally after the 1967 war. The deadly attack comes after 10 Palestinians were killed by Israeli commandos in the West Bank town of Jenin. Most of the victims were teenagers. Journalist Richard Silverstein writes on Israeli politics. He tells the news Israel's intransigence has caused the cycle of violence. This is an ongoing, endless uh, cycle of bloodletting between both sides. The Israelis, on the one hand, uh, assaulting daily Palestinian towns and villages, going in um, at 3 4 a.m. with stun grenades, tear gas, uh, barging into homes, uh, killing indiscriminately. Um, the death toll since about 12 or 14 months ago is over 200 Palestinians killed in this way. Yesterday, um, the attack on Janine killed 10 Palestinians, and it was the worst loss of life in many, many months uh, on a single day. And so it's very important, even though it may seem especially heinous to attack uh, a group of uh, people at a, a religious uh, ceremony like happened in Jerusalem. But we have to see this in context. Israel has been indiscriminately murdering Palestinians, not just for months, but for years. I mean, I did some research 
going all the way back to you know the beginning of the 20th century, and 40,000 Palestinians have been killed by um, by pre-Palestine, uh, the issue of before 1948 and going up till today. So uh, killing seven people at a synagogue is is a heinous act, but the acts of Israel that were the context for this are as heinous or more so. And this, there's a, a terrible bloody statistic, which is that for every Israeli Jew who is murdered by a Palestinian, there are 20 Palestinians killed by Israeli forces. So we have to keep that in context. And in addition, Israel routinely attacks Muslim shrines, Muslim holy places. In the last war, in the Gaza war, um, uh, scores of mosques in Gaza were, were bombed and destroyed. So there is religious hatred on both sides, and it, it's really important not to single out one side as being the, uh, the worst uh, per- perpetrator. What's been happening, because the reports say this is, as you said, this has been ongoing for a long time, but there seems to be an uptick in the recent weeks. Yes, there there is. Actually, it's, it's going back a little bit longer because uh, in March, I believe it was a year ago, or maybe it was a year and a half ago, um, there were four uh, terror attacks by Palestinians inside Israel in very quick succession. And that just shocked the hell out of Israel. And that started these uh, nightly sweeps through the Palestinian towns and villages. And it's important to remember that uh, Israel may claim that they're fighting terrorism in these attacks, but what happens is you have two or three Palestinians murdered, and each one of those uh, people that are murdered have 20 or 50 or 100 family members and friends, and they take up the struggle in memory of the person who's been killed. And we have, in the last week, we have 14-year-old boys taking guns and going out in the streets, and and they're no match for the Israeli army, for the snipers in the army, and they're picked off like fish in a barrel. And one of these boys left a letter to his mother apologizing for what he was about to do, but saying that he had to do it to defend the refugee camp and defend his people. So, I mean, yes, we can be horrified at this Jerusalem attack, but we have to remember that there's deep pain and suffering on the other side as well. Journalist Richard Silverstein writes on Israeli politics. A professor of politics at the University of San Francisco, Stephen Zunis, says the problem is in Washington, where American politicians are enthralled right-wing Israeli lobbyists. The uh, United States, historically, has uh, been uh, quick to condemn violence against Israeli civilians, which of course is appropriate, but generally reluctant to condemn violence against uh, Palestinian civilians. Uh, the uh, U.S. position you know, continues to be unconditional uh, military aid and diplomatic support uh, for the Israeli government, no matter how far to the right they go. Uh, some Americans are questioning that, I mean, not just those who have historically been pro-Palestinian, but even those who strongly support Israel's right to exist in peace and security uh, do question the U.S. policy of uh, ongoing support for uh, the Israeli occupation, including their the government's ongoing violations of international law and uh, internationally recognized human rights. What is the United States' connection to this people like Hakeem Jeffries and others? Would you say that? Yes, it was unfortunate that even though uh, public opinion is shifting to a more balanced uh, position or even pro-Palestinian position, 
the uh, leadership of both political parties, including the Democrats, still seems to be very firmly in support of the Israeli government. Both the uh, Democratic leader in the Senate, uh, Chuck, Chuck Schumer, who's been there for quite a few years, and the new Democratic leader in the House, Hakeem Jeffries, have traditionally allied themselves with the Israeli right, while increasing number of Democrats ally with groups like J Street, which is a Zionist pro-Israel organization, but one that uh, challenges the uh, occupation settlements policy, Schumer and Jeffries are much more closely aligned with APAC, which is the right wing of the uh, pro-Israel lobbying organizations. But in, in certain ways, this is not unusual. I mean, if you look as far back as Vietnam, if you look at Central America, South Africa, Iraq, the rank-and-file Democrats have always had a more progressive or moderate position on foreign policy than the Democratic Party leadership, uh, which has tended to be more hawkish on average than their constituents. Forcing Israel to consider leaning more towards Russia and other countries. I seriously doubt it. For one reason, their military is uh, relies heavily on American technology, and it's very hard to switch over to another supplier that's not compatible. Few governments have been as willing as the United States to provide this kind of uh, you know, military assistance at little cost to Israel. The um, U.S. pays for most, uh, American taxpayer pays for most of the uh, aid to Israel. What we are seeing, though, is that Israel, under its current leadership, does have a lot more in common with this kind of right-wing nationalism that we have seen emerge in places like Russia and Hungary and Poland and Brazil under Bolsonaro and Modi under India that is far removed from this kind of image Israel had for many years in this country when the labor coalition was in power of this progressive social democracy, while even back then <laughs> we're violating the human rights of the Palestinians, not in such an egregious and, and racist manner as we're seeing in the current Israeli government. Do you think that the violence we've seen in the last day or two is uh, linked to this hard right group that's in control of Israel right now? Very much. There was a killing of uh, over 10 Palestinians in Janine just yesterday, along with the record number of Palestinians killed. And more Palestinians have been killed uh, just in the past few weeks since they came to power in comparable periods in recent decades. This terrorist attack earlier today is part of this kind of cycle of violence. But the root of the violence is the occupation. The root of the violence is the colonization of the occupied territories. And until the structural violence ends, until the Palestinians have a right of self-determination and a viable state of their own, you're going to continue to see violence from both sides, and unfortunately, civilians will be the primary victims. Professor Stephen Zunis teaches politics at the University of San Francisco. And finally, another video was released today. It might have been a top story, but the video of Memphis cops beating Tyree Nichols knocked it out of contention. The video shows Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, being struck by an intruder's hammer as police rushed into their home to stop the attack. Drop the hammer. Um, nope. Hey, 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 hey. What is Pardon going on here? I'm not The police body camera footage of the October 28th violence was released alongside a surveillance video showing the alleged attacker, David DePape, smashing through a glass window to get into the couple's San Francisco home with a 911 dispatcher on the phone with Paul Pelosi.
And that's the news for Friday, January 27, 2023. The news was produced by this reporter. You can hear the news at pauldurienzo.com. From New York City, I'm Paul Durienzo. Thanks for listening.